I have with me today Julia. Um, Julia is a fascinating individual who I have come to know virtually only uh, because of current situations. Um, but I mean, there's an interesting story as to how we came into contact, Julia. But before we get to there, you work in publishing, digital publishing, um, and you work for uh, a trend setting, I hope, uh, company in a very modern uh, digital uh, publishing company. W would you like to tell us a little bit about that? And then obviously we'll get more deeply into it a bit later on. Oh, hi. So uh, I'm Julia. Thanks for having me here. Yes, um, we we met digital, which fits very well <laughs> for our company. Unfortunately, we, we can't go to any book fairs the last two, uh, one and a half years. So um, Yes, I'm working for Tapster Media, which is a startup. Um, we are founded last year in June, and um, we are creating tap stories together with our wonderful authors. And um, that's why we met. You have hmm. a, a book that fits perfectly to our to our tap stories and um, yeah, how how did it start? It started um, 2019 with a sleepless night of my um, boss and uh, the founder of Tapstar and some other digital um, startups, Yasmin. She couldn't sleep, so when she can sleep, she th flips through the the stores, the app stores, and see what's there and. Um, Yasmin is also a best-selling author, an Amazon best-selling author. She writes books under her pseudonym um, AJ Blue. And um, we are into books. That's why we met. That's how we met. And um, she she found these tap stories, chat stories, to be uh, more um, precise. And uh, so she she called me the next day and said, you have to see that. That's a really big thing in the States. And all what we are having here right now is not that good. And so we looked and we decided we can make it better in mm -hmm. the German market. And um, we like to think big. We thought we can make it better than the, the American apps too. And... Um, about four weeks later, we had the setup for the first app and the back end, and we tried. We wrote chat stories, and um, yeah, the developing started. It got bigger and bigger, and in October, short before Frankfurt Book Fair, we released our first app, Loveries, which was taken down by Google um, eight weeks later because of uh, erotic. Oh. So you, you see, in, <laughs> in America, you can cut heads off, but you can't write the word nipple in a text. I can't believe um, it. Nipple, I mean, that's a very yeah. offensive word. Yeah, yeah, of course. And um, so they, they took us, us totally down um, and we had to restart. Um, so that's why we have two streaming apps. We have Loveries, which is for erotic and um, adult-only content. And um, we have Livery, which is for the rest of all type of stories. We have fantasy, we have romanticy, we have horror, we have crime, thrillers. So everything except books for, for children. And um, after that, in 20, in, yeah, June 20, we thought, what can we do more? What can we do to create a, a tap story universe, which is for everybody? Because you have so much things you have to, to um, make an um, 
abonnement. Subscription. Yeah. Subscription. And a lot of people don't like subscriptions. So we thought, okay, let's let's try another way. And that's how Lively Story was born. Um, the first, we thought it would be cool to create for self-publishing authors um, um, your own app. So make your story tour app. And um, we talked to the self-publishing. Um, we have a... a Oh, I need my I need my dictionary. Uh, <laughs> Tell me in German. Association, ah, yeah, okay. self-publishing association, and um, they were thrilled. Um, the two girls um, we've talked said, "Here are take our books, let's do it." And then we went to Weltbild, which is a uh, the third biggest um, sales point of books in Germany and uh, Switzerland and Austria. And they were thrilled too. And they told us, let's do something that we can support you. And so was the shop born. And um, we switched from single apps to a reading app, the Lively Story reading app. And the shop where you can buy the books you like and don't have to make a subscription. So here we are with about 80 stories in German, um, about 60 in English, and I guess about 50 to 60 in Spain, uh, Spanish. So um, yeah, we started a year from now and uh, it was it was a hot ride. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, and I mean, obviously, you know, I have to apologize to the listeners. I will try to edit the word nipple out later on. I don't want anybody to get offended by this. Um, and because also we're on Google Podcasts, so oh, we don't want them yeah. to take us completely down. Because <laughs> of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that as well a bit later because that's an interesting topic. But um, yeah, it's yeah, it is fascinating. Um, and also this this also comes in exactly around around the right time that I met. Yasmin at the Leipzig Book Fair in 2019. Um, and so, um, yeah, at the time it was really hard. There, there simply was no um, platform which would in any way represent what I had written. Um, and and then when I met, when I sort of went up to your stall um, at the Leipzig Book Fair, I showed one of the, your colleagues there at the time, and um, and she was quite excited, and she went to Yasmin, and and Yasmin, and were, obviously she was interested, but at the time it still wasn't yet ready. Yeah. Um, the software, and the, the platform came later, and then. Um, but like all of you there, Yasmin is extremely friendly um, and approachable. So I stayed in touch with her. And then after about a year and a half, when I contacted her again, she said, OK, we can do it now. We've got the platform. Please contact Julia. Um, and yeah. so that's when you and I came into contact. Yeah. Um, and we've been yeah, <laughs> sending messages backwards and forwards ever since. Um, and it's been, uh, yeah, as you say, a fascinating ride from what little I know of it. So I can only imagine um, that you've had to really sort of, you know, fight your way through. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's also what I'd really like to talk about because, you know, you've you've worked with, with Lena as well and you've spoken a bit um, about your, your organization and how you work more so with her. Um, but, you know, it's, it's also very interesting because, I mean, you guys are actually perfectly set up for, okay, not just, you know, the unfortunate pandemic that we have now, but generally you're very future looking, aren't you? So um, everything is, you know, virtually uh, applicable or practicable. Um, you are all um, you know, very hardworking, determined women, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah? Um, how does that make you feel? Because you're basically fighting your way through. I know nowadays a lot of literary agents are, are female or they they have um, uh, a variation of genders which are involved in finding new talent and encouraging new, new directions and so on. Um, but how do you feel fighting through? Because I think it's still 
owned by or perhaps dominated by men. So you're a completely new player. Um, How hard is it for you to fight your way through um, all of those men, essentially? Well, I I come from a a really traditional job. I worked in sales. So um, you have to be dressed up as as a woman and you have to bring the coffee to the tables of the guys and um, I really, really loved it when I started working for Yasmin. Um, so it was, it, it is a kind of, of freedom to to create, to be creative, to to ha- have. You can use your brain, and you are encouraged to use your brain, and um, it's not a competition. So. I, I made the 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 Erfahrung. experience the experience that if a woman thinks too much in uh, male dominated uh, industries, um, you are a threat. You are um, a, I don't want to say the B word. Um, mm. You are bitchy. You are difficult to handle. You are. Yeah, you have to always to take a step back and see how how men, unfortunately, it is often that way, who aren't that who haven't the experiences you have you have who haven't the the um, how to say you work you have to work a lot harder to get the same as a man in the same position. You are always paid a little less. Um, I made that experience too, uh, working more and earning less. And now I'm in a position um, where I can raise my daughter and work full time because family comes first. This is the thing we are having all. Um, Yasmin has two children too. Um, she, when I, I met her, she was a single mom too, and um, so she knows how it feels to um, um, take care of your children, take care of yourself, take care of everything, and not only want to be, I not only I'm not a mom, I'm Julia and a mom, you know, and. Um, as Julia, I like to, I love to work. I'm uh, a, a person who works always and works a lot, but now I am free to use all my skills in a way I never could have, could imagine that I use them. And um, that's why we are working that fast and why we are creative the way we are, because we, we, are free to to make mistakes. Um, we learn from our mistakes, and um, we can use everything we have. And that's uh, uh, that's a really really good feeling, and that's make you work with all of your heart. And that's the difference between working somewhere and working for Yasmin. And um, now we have to fight against um, old white men who are um, not digital at all and don't see the the switch which is now coming and the the progress which was started by by the pandemic. Um, the, The whole book market changed the last, I would say the last 10 years completely. And you see in the in the book industry and the and the, the, the big publishers, um, they always say, oh, ebooks, pff, ebooks are okay, but mm, we we are selling books. Um, if you look at the self-publishing market, which is about 20% of all selling or a little bit more, um, we are selling 99% ebooks and 1% uh, printed books, which are bought by the hardcore fans, but most of the time we are selling ebooks. And um, now it is 
everyone has a smartphone. Everyone reads at his phone. Um, so we see that the, the traditional ebook reader are going back in the my my daughter doesn't know what a Kindle is because she reads on my phone or with a tablet. And um, we 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 are thinking that it will be the same as in the music industry. We had that switch about uh, in the early 2000s when um, iTunes saved the music industry. And um, I guess we will have something like that in these days too, because um, there is no turning back to analog reading and no one wants to have uh, 20 books in paper books with him when he goes to a travel on train and or on plane, which would be really expensive, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and so we are inviting everyone. We don't care if you are a big publisher, a, a small publisher, a self-publisher, everyone to join us and make, create a, a completely new entertainment feature, which is lively story. It is not only reading, the story is the, the center, but it's more, it's a, an entertaining um, uh, product. And um, yeah, we will see what comes. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, there's so much that you said there, um, Julia. It's, uh, I mean, I, I've made a few notes, um, you know, with regards to some of the topics that you touched on. One, one thing which always sticks with me whenever I, I, I think of our conversations, it's, um, you know, you often told me about the plans that you had and so on, and I was like, wow, okay. Um, and your immediate response was, yeah, think big, you know, yeah. to hell with it, think big. And, um, you know, it's great to hear that that encouragement, you know, sort of flows right the way through, you know, um, the company from, you know, um, taps it down from um, Yasmin all the way through the team. Um, and, and it's great that you take it all on board. And, and also to hear when you say that you, you, you know, you feel so um, liberated that you can finally do a, a job where you are essentially permitted to put all of your skills to work. Um, I mean, that, I know you, you obviously work really hard and, and, you know, I've seen so many uh, sort of comments from literary agents who say, oh, you work, you know, holidays, you work Sunday nights um, and, you know, if you didn't love reading, you'd never do this job and so on. Um, so I know, you know, the industry demands it, you also do it too. Um, um, but it must be also energizing that you can put to work all of the the skills and talents and intelligence that you possess yeah yeah it is it is absolutely um um if someone asked me two or th no three years ago i'm working now three years with uh, yasmin um and if someone asked me if i could ever imagine to to be that creative and work the work I'm doing now. I thought, no, I, I said, no, I, I couldn't imagine that I, I'm making small, small video clips. So like the, the teaser I made for your book or mm. for, for other books, I never worked with any movie software a year ago. So now I'm cutting and adding music and making, uh, green screens and um, yeah, I'm making cover for books, which I haven't done before I worked with Yasmin and all these things, all these skills I've learned and the encouragement to learn that and to say uh, from, from the company and um, to do it and to try it and to try it again. And if it fits the first time, doesn't matter. Try it again. Do your best and you will succeed in what you are doing, no matter how long it takes. So that's a, 
a really good way to work and it's liberating it's really liberating yeah and and you essentially sort of personify what people would consider to be agile really isn't it i mean i know perhaps uh, you know efficiency isn't um, you know the most common thing thrown at the book industry uh, sometimes it's perhaps um, you know very burdensome you know everybody has you know too much to do so um, efficiency isn't the, perhaps the uh, the correct term, but you're you're agile in the way that you can organise yourselves, considering each person does the job of two people, um, and you also you're all around Germany, aren't you? So it's not yeah. like you can come together for a, a quick coffee session for half an hour. Um, I mean, you're on the the, the western border, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, means up Dallas. north. Yeah. It's, so we it, have Berlin yeah. Um, yeah. or. Um, one of my co-mates works uh, lives in Berlin. We have uh, two, three, four living in Hamburg. Our um, reductional assistant lives uh, in Föhr, which is a North Friesen island. It's north um, across the Danish border. And um, we have one living near Augsburg. Um, one of our co-workers lives in Tirol. Um, so we are sort of uh, decentral workers. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. Um, and I mean, the fact that you you, you can get all of the because because the projects that you're putting into to place, it's not simply that, um, OK, you do something and, and you put it up. I mean, OK, you all have your individual tasks, but so much of what you do has to be coordinated. You work together, you pull resources in from here and there. Um, you, know, you, you, you must have this um, really strong internal network to be able to get that all done. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um... It's, it feels more than working with friends, than working with uh, co-mates, although we are far away from each other. But um, we have a weekly set um, internal meeting, which it's our Monday talk. Um, so we, we see what we have to do this week and um, on Wednesday we have our 20-minute dance so um, <laughs> it's uh, it's really that we are listening to music dancing shaking laughing mm. um, drinking a coffee together um, it's it's a come together to stay in touch and not always have to talk about work like you said, we, we can't go to the next office with our cup and sitting down and asking, how was your weekend? So we have to do it by, by phone or by mail or via Zoom, Teams, whatever. So we have to find a way to stay connected, not only from work, um, but also that you can um, support everybody. So... Um, if someone has a bad day, you have to 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 catch him or her, and you you have to to make sure that everything and everybody is fine because that type of working we are doing now, one does the job of two, is only possible if everybody is comfort comfortable with the work with himself or herself, and. So it's not only um, working together, but also looking for each other and and see that everybody is in a good mood and um, is catched if there is anything from sick children to uh, something happens in the family. So we try to take care of each other, although we are separated that far. Mm. Yeah, no, it's great. It's um, it's good to see that so much connects you. Um, yeah. Well, also just before we we started recording, I, I could see your your library in the background. So you know, clearly books um, play an important role in your life. Do you remember when you started reading, or what was your first book? My, I start. Oh my gosh! <clears throat> no, I have to confess how old I am. I started reading when I was about three years old, 
when I was a child, there were uh, there were vinyls from Disney with a book in the in the cover, so you could listen to the story and read it. So that's how I learned some someone between my third and my fourth birthday. My brain recognized, oh, what he said is that what is are uh, these these strange symbols in in that, mm-hmm. and um, I could. I started reading, and my first real book was Astrid Lindgren, The Children of Bullabü. Mm. That was my first book, and since then, I am reading, and I never stopped. Astrid Lindgren is uh, so a Swedish author, um, yeah, and famous for a number of characters, so Pippi Langstrumpf, and also, is it Mikael? Is that the, the boy's name? Yeah, from Lonneberger. Okay. Yeah, so I mean... Lonneberger, yes. Yeah, so um, can you just quickly explain um, Astrid Lindgren? Because I, I had never heard of this wonderful author until I came to Germany. So unfortunately, so many things are passed over um, in different countries. Can you just quickly give a little introduction yeah. as to Astrid? Astrid Lindgren was... Um, well, one of the first Swedish women who said children have to be free. They have to run, they have to scream, they have to be loud. They Children have to be children, which was a really unpopular meaning in the 1950s and 60s. <laughs> she said, don't beat your children, talk to them. Um, don't punish them, love them. So give your children the feeling of being loved, which is um, sort of generation conflict between the silent generation and the boomers and so on the boomers to generation X, which is really interesting. Um, These conflicts between the generations are popping up now Mm. again. I don't know why you have, uh, you can hear a lot of podcasts about that topic and she was she was really progressive for for that time setting, and um, so she she started to writing books. If I am not wrong, she started writing books for her children mm. because she didn't like the European fairy tales, which are the Brothers Grimm and um, all of them. Most of them are really dark. If you if you see that uh, the Frozen is an adaptation of a Swedish fairy a tale, um, which is darker than you could ever imagine, and I never would read the original uh, <laughs> Frozen to my daughter, which is nine now, because it's very brutal and it's like all fairy tales in Germany. And so she she decided to write books for children, which are encouraging the children to be free, to be wild and to be wonderful, which was her main theme. Be wild, be, be free and be wonderful. And yeah, she wrote a lot, a lot of books. Um, and the most most known are Pippi Langstrumpf and which is. An empowerment for girls because Pippi is a really, really, really strong girl, which can lift up her horse with one hand and um, <laughs> and um, has superpowers and um, lives alone in a, the Villa Kunterbund, uh, which is an old house um, with her monkey and um, her horse, and she has two friends which living um, the the typical 50 and 60 families. So you have the, the older brother, the younger sister, you have the mom with the uh, horse braid hair and um, mm. the, the, the father who's working a lot and taking care of nothing um, <laughs> except um, going to work. And... Um, yeah, and so she wrote Michel from Lönneberger, which is a totally annoying child for an adult because now you would say he has uh, ADHD. Um, but 
he he made a lot of stupid things. He stuck his head in his uh, um, milk can. Um, the, the milk can. Yeah, yeah and um, yeah, and so um, <laughs> you 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 know you as a parent know I, I can understand a lot of reactions from his parents and so but she encouraged that child to be wild and um it's a wonderful book for children to be to be themselves and that that's what she it's a movement she created and um which led in in the this times that you parents aren't allowed to beat their children anymore in the most parts of uh, germany mm. Yeah, and uh, fortunately, um, you know, in, around Europe as well, um, and a number of other countries have also taken this on board. So, yeah, f fascinating. Um, and, and also when you analyze it, um, you know, it's it's not simply just a, a selection of children's tales. You're right, there's there's so much in there, yeah. um, which would still actually be very important for, um, you know, for sort of people to look at now as well. Yeah. So, um I, I can always I, I can only say let your children read these books. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a wonderful thing. Yeah. When when people ask me because I recommend to all of my students to read books because I, I I say that it's one of the best ways to learn a language is to read yes. a book. Um, and they always ask me, okay, so what should I read? Um, and other than telling them to read something that they've perhaps already read in their own native language, which they can find in English, I always suggest people read Enid Blyton, um, oh, yes. the, the famous five. Um, yeah. I said, because this is two things. A, it's, well, three. A, it's written very well. Um, B, it's written quite simply, um, even though it is written well. Um, and uh, you know, the third thing is that it's, it reminds you how to have fun. Yeah, uh, as an adult, and uh, it's brilliant, Enid Blyton. She's she was fantastic as an author as well. I think very much in the same league, as it were, or similar yeah. to at least um, Asad England. Yeah, I started reading Enid Blyton when I was about ten. It was the Dolly series about that girl in uh, that school, uh -huh. and um, yeah, it's she she's um, she's for more grown ups, I guess. Um, Astrid Lindgren starts when you are six till you are about nine or ten, then you are grown out these stories. Um, and reread them as an adult is fantastic. Um, and Annette, I guess, starts about 11, 10, 11. So it's a, it's a complementation um, to start with Astrid Lindgren and go on with Annette Blyton. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean, thinking just from you know your, what you're saying, I sort of think back to um, you know, some of the earlier material that I I read, and you know I, I've always been naturally inclined to reading you know diverse authors, and, and whether that the gender issue was never really a problem for me. I never said no, I have to read uh, male authors, and I think one of the reasons why is because I, you know looking through my grandparents' uh, loft or attic. I came I came across a box of my auntie's old books and she loved Carolyn Keane, who used to write the Nancy Drew series. I don't know if you're familiar with Nancy Drew. No, um, no. Uh, so an American high school private detective she was and her father was a big lawyer, Carson Drew. Um, and it was brilliant to and so Nancy Drew was the protagonist of these fantastic stories with her friends. Um, and you know, so from a very early age to, to be completely familiarized with, um, you know, sort of dominant, powerful female characters. Uh, for me thereafter, nothing seemed strange at all to yeah. see it. So, you know, I do think these books play an extremely important role um, in naturally encouraging children to embrace equality as well. Yeah. Um, I think you see, Children are equal. If you ask your children who is worthy, more worthy, uh, a boy or a girl, they don't even understand the, the question because they are the same. It's like uh, the, the color of the skin. 
it's something that the parents are training to the to the children. Um, so we we as adults have to change our mindset and say um, to to let these non-racist, non um um this this um how to say it um non-sexist yes behavior trade it as a usual behavior and don't change it so uh, we we will raise a generation without racism and without sexism um i think the problem is what we are giving to our children we and what was given to us when we were children um no child is homophobic no child sees any problem in in the color of the skin i i remember when when my daughter was seeing her first um human with dark color skin colored skin so she was about two and a half years old and asked me why she had to shower if this guy obviously doesn't have to hmm. and um I was a little embarrassed, but he was quite cool and told her, no, I, I can't wash up the color of my skin. It's the, the type of, of skin. And she said, oh, that's great. So you don't have to wash your hands because you see when, when my hands are dirty, you can see it. And that's pretty cool. Mama, I want to have dark skin too. <laughs> so that's that's how children reacting to to something what's different to them so if you use it as a normal thing you you they never will understand where is the problem between a white or a bright skin and a, a dark skin or asian and and african so they see what it is they see everybody as human in the first position so and i think we have to to empower this this mindsetting definitely and also i think the way that you approach that particular episode is brilliant because i've spoken with people um, from different uh, backgrounds and that they've you know and also read um, a book by you know kenya hunt um, girl um, in which she refers to these kinds of things and you know normally speaking if a white child um, is with a parent and they they come across a person of darker skin of, of African origin or Asian origin and they say oh mama what's your papa what's you know wh why is that person so different the parent normally says shh don't say don't say anything um, but what they should do is actually what you did um, essentially allow the natural interaction to develop yeah. you know and say yeah because we're all different this is this is what is beautiful about us and then yeah. and then you know the child immediately understands that this isn't something to to hide away from or this isn't if you sh a child they think automatically oh that's bad don't don't yeah. don't think about it you know um yeah. so you know we have to find positive ways to show that you know we have this beautiful diversity in our cultures in our societies yeah. and they're all perfectly natural yeah yeah well, so it's, it's great your approach absolutely and um I hope this is some something that the generation of my daughter will naturally um a lot of of people I know are interacting that way and um so I hope it's it, it it's it will be better in the future because um uh, our generation did a lot of bad things um mm. yeah in that cases yeah absolutely um and yeah unfortunately as you say there there's so much we've already passed on to you know for our kids to sort out for us if we're talking about climate change and yeah. uh, you know some of these other issues uh, but maybe we should try to take care of a few of them ourselves in this generation um and i'd like to see our politicians stepping up and taking responsibility for that so hopefully yeah. We will see this a bit more. Um, yeah, again, you know, going back a little bit to you know, what you were saying earlier then um, with regards to the, the digital revolution in publishing. I, I remember that one of the reasons why I wrote the book that I, I wrote in the way that I did was I, I read an article um, in The Guardian about um, from a French publisher. 
Um, and the question in particular in this interview asked of him was, why is it that um, the ebook market has stagnated? So first of all, when it came out, there was this big uh, sort of you know, explosion and lots and lots of books were being um, sort of reproduced and republished in the ebook format. Um, but then everything sort of died down again. And the question was asked of him, why is this? And he said, well, essentially it's because ebook readers don't really change the reader's experience. So, okay, yes, you can save many ebooks on an ebook reader and it's easier for you to take with you. However, the actual experience of reading, whether you are turning a page or whether you are touching the right side or the left side of the ebook reader to move to the next page. Um, the actual process of reading, the experience is no different. Yeah. And so, you know, for us to really move forward with this concept of electronic device reading, we need to create something new. Yes. And so, and so that's why I went into this um, mode of, OK, well, what does a mobile phone do? So, OK, you can have videos, you can have music, um, you can speak with it and so on. Um, and that's why I came up with all of those different elements of, of, of that story. Um, and obviously, you know, thankfully for the, the, the technology that you've produced, uh, your organization has produced, um, you know, a lot of those elements can be made possible depending upon obviously where the direction you know, yeah. sort of we take in the future whether we add music to that or whether we add more video and so on you know all of these things are possible um so i mean but this is really the next step isn't it because now you you have absolutely facilitated the possibility for e-reading to yeah. become a fully immersive experience yeah yeah, absolutely. So, um, you see, I I don't like ebook reading. I like the the feeling of the book. I like the smell of a book. Um, it's because I started reading that early in the eighties, where ebooks were a kind of Star Wars or Star Trek, and um, <laughs> um, so. I like it when I'm on tra when, when I'm traveling. I like to read on my smartphone. But if if I had have to choose a, a, a classical novel or a, a regular short story, I always will prefer the book. And mm. I think a lot of people are like that. They uh, reading ebooks because they have no more space for another paper book, or um, they like. The, the possibility of having a lot of books with you while traveling. But um, so in the last year, I've, I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, I'm tired of reading because I've seen all series on Netflix. I've <laughs> uh, read all the, the prime books. Um, I've bought so many books and read them. I, I, I don't want to read another book. Because it's not always the same because of the story, but it is always the same process. You open the book, you open the ebook, you start reading, you're sitting there, and we are, it's a, a fast, fast living and a fast time era we are living in. So you always, it, it's never quiet. You hear music in streaming, you, you, are distracted and so is reading changing we we don't want to read only especially if we are using a smartphone which uh, has a display that is better than my television um, so everyone I showed the possibilities of our app and what you are able to do with these books. You can add videos, you can add pictures, you can add sounds, um, you can you can um, create uh, incoming or outgoing call, you can make the, the phone vibration, you can use the phone vibration, you, you can switch the display to dark, if somebody fades out in the book, you can black the screen, which makes it a lot more intense. The reading is more intense and you have 
the feeling that you are interacting, although you are just a consumer of the story. Um, so it's hard to describe. A lot of authors said to me, oh, that's great. I don't like to to describe the, the settings. Um, there's a beach, okay. Um, so now I have the possibility to put a picture in and the reader sees, oh, that's how the, the beach looks like. And I don't have to write two, two or three sides of describing the beach, mm -hmm. which changes the way you are writing. Um, I see it by myself. If I'm, I, I've started a new story and it is so hard not to write and I, I don't want to switch that anymore. I'm writing for this type of story. It's so easy to come into the, the flow of writing and the flow of how the, the, the story develops and um, the, 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 the parts if something happens and your smartphone or your tablet starts screaming because in the, in the back there is a scream, you are it's it's thrilling to read and it's really thrilling to write such stories and um it's something completely new you can't compare it to the the there was a type of ebook in the mm, five or six the enhanced ebook yeah that's the name mm -hmm. so there you could uh, um add pictures color pictures and some some sounds some music and um it was really expensive because every book has to be um, programmed. And um, I talked to a publisher who was thinking about using enhanced ebooks, and she told me um, the production costs for a single, only one enhanced ebooks is more than uh, 20,000 euro. So. Yeah. It, it isn't possible to to push that format um, mm. because till you have earned 20,000 euros with your book, you have to sell a lot of books. Yeah. No, and, um, what's the, the special deal about Lively Story is it is easy to use. You, uh, you have it done by yourself. We have some... Uh, things we have to change and we have to edit it's a it's a process remember we started uh, two years ago and um, some things we we will change um, we are going to change and something have a few things have to wait because we are a small company and um, with limited um, resources so, um, yeah, but everybody can do its own lively story without knowing how to program or being super talented at um, doing something on the computer. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, there is this saying in English that everybody has a book in them. Yeah, uh, some yeah. people have more than others, but um, yeah, the, the possibility of creating your own content raw um, uh, unvarnished and someplace where you can sort of safely put it up and allow others to then um, experience it and see it and you know obviously this is what self-publishing was about but with with the lively stories tool um, you know this produces you know far more possibilities for yeah. people who, who don't want to go into the detail of exactly what you said, the descriptive element of storytelling. So it's yeah. brilliant yeah, for what it does. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, the other thing that which I promised we would come back to, which you sort of referred to at the beginning. So the, the you, you've also got the erotic side. Now, um, people do consider talking about sex and I'm, you know, 
I'm German now as well, but I'm, you know, obviously I was born British and I grew up in, in the UK. So, you know, the, the famous movie, No Sex, Please, We're British. Um, you know, it's sex is still considered a sort of taboo subject. Um, but you've got the erotic side um, or the stories that uh, that are also provided. Um, and yeah, I can only imagine that it generates quite a bit of interest because, you know, people don't want to perhaps openly talk about sex, but everybody really likes it. So yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> how can you tell us about the the, yeah, the growth of your erotic stories? And uh, yeah, how, how is it? Um, well, I have to admit, um, AJ Blue is an uh, erotic author, mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, my books are settled in the dark romance, which has a lot of uh, erotical parts in it. So um, um, we often say, with some sort of humor, we are working in the porn industry because <laughs> we are erotic authors and um, it's uh, how to say it um, we we started with the thought of we are using that sort of story that chat story in the beginning for erotical stories so um, the first stories we wrote were really 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 heavy erotic so um, it has language in it and um, yeah, um, some kind, not not really porn, but um, highly erotic to say. Um, and, um, but we, we realized really fast that there are more possibilities than just erotic. But um, if we compare the, the erotic part and the non-erotic part, um, erotic sells better <laughs> so uh, just compared from loveries to livery so um, everybody wants to read it but nobody wants to talk about it <laughs> it's so funny it's, isn't it <laughs> no one is watching uh, a porn channel but why they are still here <laughs> yeah. yeah so um, I think this is something I don't know um, why the people are so so shy to talk about and why it's such a, a big taboo because we know we wouldn't have children without having sex. So it's no. a, a natural part of of the humanity. And uh, yes, I don't I don't know why it's a big deal, but it's it's really a big deal. And um, you you get some some people are looking at you with a they don't take you as serious as they would take you if you wouldn't write erotic mm. so uh, sad but true yeah absolutely said metallica indeed um yeah it's it, it is crazy um i i also have um a couple of podcasts with uh people where they talk i mean one tanya she talks about sexuality and sensuality um which is this this group that she's created for women and other diverse genders and you know it, it really is to bring this out to talk about these things you know it shouldn't be hidden away it shouldn't be considered a taboo um you know people need to know I think they have to open it up so that they need to know that uh, there are some things you can do and some things you shouldn't do. Um, or there are some ways of doing things and ways of not doing things. Uh, but the thing is, for as long as it remains this sort of secretive, undiscovered element of society, um, you know, the longer it's going to take for people to be able to overcome uh, some of the tensions that uh, yeah. that are created within it. You know, I, yeah. I, I do. It's also really interesting that you say, I mean, you know, you're both women and you are the ones who write the content. So, you know, clearly talking to women about sex is not a bad thing. Yeah, no. um, it, it should be quite uh, an open topic to be able to discuss. 
So therefore, you know, you know, men especially, but also you know, other genders should be able to start thinking about this topic in a more mature fashion, in a more open fashion, um, and then perhaps that would release some of the the unfortunate frustrations which lead to abuse, either physical yeah. or verbal, uh, otherwise. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think uh, as long as both or all of them said yes everything is fine and as soon as one person wants to stop all have to stop what happens in between the start and stop is you you don't have to judge about people about their kinks or their um preferences so that's that's the whole thing about being homophobic being uh, misogynists um, or all of them, I, it's my personal opinion, mm -hmm. but all of these problems are coming from the, the fact that nobody talks about sexuality openly. So you, you see a lot of homophobic people are afraid of something they don't know they are thinking about um yeah they they think it's something unnormal um it's not natural which is completely stupid because if you look in the nature you see a lot of uh equal gender couples mm -hmm. same so, gender yeah yeah um it's it's uh yeah it's it's all about that mind setting again. I think um, in the in the early twenties, before between World War One and World War Two, we had less homophobic and and um, things than we had after that World War, um, because the people started to to be open minded and to be free. So. Um, that that completely changed after the war and was the mindsetting that give, was given by by um yeah the the silent generation and because i think because the church started to be an issue again because there was nothing left except going to church and going to work and um we all know that especially the Catholic Church, is really, really homophobic, mm. which starts to change slowly. Um, but, um, yeah, that's uh, a big issue. And they are, uh, th these generations, the, the boomers too, um, are talking about sex as a joke. So uh, the old man joke, ha, 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 look at this girl. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, those sexist jokes, mm -hmm. um, but if you want to talk to them seriously about sexuality, they stop completely, they block completely, um, and um, yeah, you see it um, in the in the uh, the first the real talks they our parents had with us compared to the real talk we are having to our children hopefully, mm -hmm. about <laughs> consents, about um, not being afraid to love a woman as a girl and to love a boy as a boy or love both mm -hmm. genders, um, which was absolutely unthinkful uh, thing for my parents to say. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, again, we are putting a lot of weight on the shoulders of our children because we 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 have to give them the the skills to be open-minded to stay open-minded and yeah to to change the things our parents messed up and we weren't able <laughs> to to clean up mm -hmm. so um yeah it's it's interesting um, yeah. how how society and and literature um, are um, 
topics which you can switch up and mix up. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's brilliant that you say these things because I re recently I thought that I discovered something new for myself, at least. I listened to a, um, a BBC podcast where a lady had uh, studied uh, the exact same things that you just said there. And, and she, she made the exact observation that in, you know, before uh, the wars, um, that there was, it seemed that we had a far more liberalized society with regards to sex. And she also said, um, you know, that after the Second World War, you know, things changed greatly. Um, and yeah. so people were less capable of, of handling uh, open sexual discourse. Um, the, there, there was uh, greater limitation uh, on how people behaved um, on, on the kinds of relationships that they could have and how openly they could uh, show their own sexuality. So yeah. it, it is actually you know, an interesting study. Um, and yeah, it's yeah, I, I'm obviously you know far more about it than I do because I only just realized that this was the case. Um, but it's a really, really interesting topic that should be looked at more, I think. So yeah, yeah that's, that's brilliant. Um, okay, all right. Uh, Juliet, normally I always say about an hour is, is basically the attention span of most people. Um, and we've comfortably reached that. And I think we could go on and on and on. So I, I would love to you know, be able to have a chat with you again to see how um, how the adventure is you know, continuing. Sure. Um, yeah, if that's yeah, cool. All right. Um, now, I know you are obviously also extremely busy, um, but are there any sort of immediate plans uh, that you have? Because there's no uh, there are no book fairs, are there at the moment? So how are you doing things with regards to uh, sort of, you know, showing yourselves in the community of uh, publishing? Um, you know, is, is there, you know, are there any specific channels that you are pursuing or that people can go to to see some of the, the projects that you've got and the products you've got? Well, um, we, we have a YouTube channel, which is the best way to discover our books, our lively stories. Because it's hard to explain um, uh, something completely new, so we make teaser videos, um, so the people can can have a look inside the book, um, and make their own impress, and um, so they can see what we are doing, how it looks, um, and we have if someone is is really curious about it. Um, if you um, download our app at the stores, uh, Google or um, uh, App Store, um, you have four free stories you can read to see how the app is working and what it is look like. And um, we have a, a Facebook and an Instagram account, which are a little bit, how to say it, in a friendly way. Um, they are not that used we had to because we don't, uh, we are all um, having such less time that the social medias are uh, a little abandoned. Okay, it's underdeveloped at the moment. Yes, that's okay. the, the, a perfect word. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we are having an, an summer campaign um, on Facebook in the next two weeks. Um, there will some um, um, Gewinnspiele. Oh, some like lotteries or yeah. games. Yeah, you, you, can, you can win something and um, we are um, make some promotion um, codes so you can get a story or two or three for free um so um if they want to have a look on facebook we are promoting there a lot more than on instagram but i'm if you want to know how lively story looks um it's the best to go to our youtube channel i can send you the the links for all of our social medias um and look the, the teaser videos and um, there you can see how how the stories work how they look like and yeah we will have some some releases 
in the next few weeks. And we, what we are trying to do in the in the next, yeah, let's say till the end of August, um, we want to make something um, to take responsibility for the CO2 which we are creating for um, with our servers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are looking for uh, something like plant my tree, where you. Um, where you can um, plant trees to to uh, equal your CO2 um, emissions. And um, we are trying to find um, maybe in startup too or not that big company where you can um, that you can um, implement in our shop. So everybody who wants then is able to buy a book and plant a tree. So um, we want to be a little more greener because we we think it's time. And if if everybody does a little bit, it's a big change. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And especially as we've seen in Germany, uh, unfortunately, what happened in you know, North Rhine-Westphalia, um, yeah. it's uh, you know, horrifying what can happen as a result of our neglect uh, of the yeah. planet. Yeah. yeah. And um, I can I can tell you it's about half an hour away from me. Um, it's about 50 kilometers in in airline. Um, so it's what are 50 kilometers for a, a storm cloud? Nothing. Mm, so it was about about really being lucky. And I spoke to a lot of people from um, the Eifel. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they are saying they know the the Mosel Valley. They know high waters and they know floods and they know uh, a lot of catastrophes the last years. And um, they seen dried the the dried out Mosel last year and two years ago, but something like this they never have experienced. It's it's. Um, the older people are saying it didn't look like that after the war. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, and so many lives lost as well. Um, yeah. you know, it's such a sad, sad thing to occur. Um, so, yeah, every, as you say, every little counts. And so, yeah, hopefully this is something that uh, we can all get uh, on board with uh, and encourage and support. Um, what can I say, Julia? I've always enjoyed our conversations, um, and this Thank one has, has allowed us also to get to know each other a little bit more as well. Yes. So fascinating insight there. Um, what can I say? Thank you very much. Uh, it's been great listening to you and hearing about uh, you know, Yasmin and the team too. So brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Two, 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 and a mic. and a mic.